0: We come to you. We are so grateful that your Son, Jesus Christ, our brother, taught us that our Heavenly Father knows everything we need. We don't have to worry about a thing. And yet you invite us to lay it out before you so that we can have our eyes open to how you are going to provide. And so, Lord, we lift up the nation of Burundi. We pray, Lord, that the floods will cease that people will stand up together to help rebuild communities. And Lord, we pray for protection over our student's family, for his brother and the elders in the church who are working so hard to bring life and light to that community, trying so hard to bring the good news of your son, Jesus, to people who need it. And so, Lord, we pray protection over him. We pray protection over our student who is worried about his brother. And, Lord, we pray that your will will be made known, that that your Holy Spirit will conquer all fear and doubt in that place and will silence the voices of those who seek to accuse. Lord, make your name great in Burundi. And, Lord, we pray that you make your name great in our Project Neighborhood houses. We thank you for Rich and Caitlin and others like them who are willing to spend time, years, mentoring our students, living in community, learning what it means to lay down our lives for each other. We ask protection over them. We ask, Lord, that they can be bold, even in neighborhoods that some people would call shady, that they can be witnesses to you. Keep them safe keep them wise but also increasingly make them bold to do what it is you need to have done in these neighborhoods we pray for the churches that many of them partner with that their work can continue to flourish that new ideas will come to them and that even now that as students are thinking about applying that you will raise up the right people to come into each house to carry out old ideas or to bring fresh ideas for how to shape these neighborhoods and these churches for your kingdom and your glory. We pray that your kingdom comes here on this campus. We pray for those who are involved in selecting our next provost. Lord, may your wisdom pour down on them. May there be unanimity on the search committee. May they just know that this is the next person. May it just be so clear and so, Lord, we pray for the meetings and the conversation and the praying and the reading that all will be taking place. That your wisdom will be present among them. And Lord, we give you thanks for this weekend, the many activities we're able to observe or participate in. We thank you that other than scrapes and bruises, no one was hurt in the Sempon jump. We thank you for the victory of our swimming teams. We thank you for the way our runners are able to team up. We thank you for the play. We thank you for air band. We thank you for fun. We thank you for our alumni. We have so many things around us for which we can give you thanks and praise. So Lord, even in the midst of our own little lives, when we can get caught up in what we don't have and what we want, continue to turn our hearts back to gratitude. And we pray that now, as we think about our relationship with our parents, that you, Holy Spirit, will turn our hearts where you need them to go, so that as we look at your word and we listen well, we will have a new understanding for how you invite us to interact with our parents. And we ask all of this through Jesus Christ, your Son, our brother and Savior. Amen. So we're continuing our series on relationships. It's a four-week series. Last week we looked at the relationship with God. This week we're looking at the relationship with parents. Next week we'll look at the relationships we have with friends. And the week after that we will look at relationships with what we are calling more than friends, which I think you all know what that is. So that's, that's our walk. That's where we're going. And so tonight we're going to be looking at the relationship with parents. Everybody has them. Everybody has parents. You got that, right? So there's no one that is excluded when we talk about the relationship with parents. When we talk about friends it could be kind of bumpy, more than friends, a little bumpy. But parents, everybody has. And there is such a diverse array of what the relationship with parents looks like. And so tonight, we're going to be walking our way through scripture passages that specifically address the relationship of children and parents. And so we're going to begin tonight with one of the classics, one of the oldest ones, Exodus 20, verse 12. Listen to you. Everyone's like, oh yeah, we know, yeah, yeah, Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now this is commandment number five. The first four commandments have to do with God's relationship with his people, and the last six commandments have to do with people's relationships with other people. And so this scholars call the bridge commandment. It's turning us from the relationship with God toward relationships with other people. And since the parents are the first people you actually engage with, your parents teach you a lot about both of those things, teach you about how to engage and obey and honor God and how to have relationships with other people. Now, for some of us, we read this command and we do have that little like, and that can come from a lot of places. For some of us, it comes from the fact that we are trying and trying and trying to honor our parents. We are trying to please them. We are trying to get it right. And it seems like nothing we do matters. We would do anything for our parents to tell us that they're proud of us. We would do anything to have our parents say, way to go, you did a good job. Some of us are waiting for a parent to tell us Out loud in words that they love us. Others of us hear this and we think, I don't know what to do. My father or my mother aren't believers and I don't know how to honor them when I'm trying to be a disciple. For some of us, the relationship is with parents who've divorced and it was ugly and we just don't know how to engage that, how do we honor that when maybe one or both of the parents was completely wrong. And for some of us, maybe our parents have hurt us deeply and are unrepentant and we are just stuck because we think, I don't know how to honor someone who hurt me or continues to hurt me so deeply. So this first command, honor your father and mother, can just create a lot of tension in us. And God knew that. That's actually why it's one of the commandments. Because the commandments aren't things that we normally like to do. It's not like commandments are like, take more naps and eat chocolate and hang out laughing with your friends because we'd be like, awesome. The commandments are things that are hard to do. Stop swearing, don't lie, stop coveting other people's GPAs, stop. The commandments are things that are hard to do. Don't kill, don't steal, don't have sex or excessively look at pornography with people you're not married to. These are the things that can be really hard to do. Right in the middle of that list, right in the center of it, honor your father and mother. It's not like God's going, oh, here's the easy one. The rest of these are kind of hard, but here's one that's kind of easy. God knows that the human relationship between children and parents can be fraught with problems and complications and complexities, and that's why he says you have to honor your parents. So let's unpack that word a little bit. What does honor mean and what does it not mean? You notice he doesn't say obey. He doesn't say like. He doesn't say always agree with. He doesn't say vote the same way as. He says honor. The Hebrew word that's used here has this idea of giving weight or esteem to something. And I think one of the best translations I read this weekend talked about taking someone seriously. To honor is to take someone seriously. And it can be very tempting when we're in a season of a lot of growth and exploration and maybe travel around the world and we're reading things that our parents haven't read and we're exploring ideas that our parents haven't thought about to kind of dismiss our parents. My mom is so stupid. She just doesn't get it. Oh, my dad, he is so stuck in the 80s. To honor means you take someone Seriously. And so what we see in this very beginning, this very formative command about the relationship with children and parents is an acknowledgement by God that this is not easy, but I want you to take them seriously. That's big. And then as we move through Scripture... We take a look at how Jesus talks about this and what Jesus does, and it can seem at first glance like Jesus is doing a 180 away from honor your father and mother, because look at what Jesus says. Now, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Now you look at that and you think, ooh, that's kind of harsh. And all the commentators are really quick to say, well, he doesn't really mean hate. It's like a Semitic turn of phrase that means you just got to have your priorities in order. Well, yes, but he's also being very clear about what the top priority is. And it's not being a parent, and it's not being a child. Your first priority is to follow Jesus. And let's look at how he acts with his own family. This passage from Matthew. While Jesus was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You see, what Jesus is demonstrating here is what he is asking of his disciples. He says to his disciples, look, it's got to be me first. And then he demonstrates that by doing this complete cultural reversal where if your mom comes to talk to you, even if you're Jesus, you're like, okay, mom. And he's like, no, 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 there is something new that is happening here. There is something that is coming into being in a fresh and powerful way. Because God the Son, just as God the Father and God the Spirit, knows that this is hard. Earthly relationships are hard. And what we need to be is called into a new family, a new relationship. Eugene Peterson translates, translates whoever does the will of heaven is my brother or sister. He, calls, he says, obedience is thicker than blood. That's the idea. Jesus is saying here that family does not get in the way of discipleship. Family does not get in the way of discipleship. I had a friend who knew from the time he was in third grade that he wanted to be a teacher. He loved school. He loved his teachers. He wanted to just be in school all the time. He loved it. He just knew that he wanted to pour his life into the next generation. He wanted to be a teacher. His parents, however, had other ideas for him. They had a business. They wanted him to run it. They didn't want him to be a teacher. They wanted him to run the business. This is what we have been shaping you for. This was our plan for your life. But he knew... He couldn't do that business stuff. He wasn't wired for it. His heart wasn't in it. And he knew, quite honestly, that he couldn't work well with his father. And so he told his parents no. And he went on to be a great teacher. And his parents cut him out of the inheritance. Discipleship costs. But family does not get in the way of discipleship. Let's look at this from another perspective. If you walk through a Christian bookstore, you pay attention to Christian radio, you hear a lot about, like, parenting is the highest call. Have you heard that? Or sometimes you'll have people who'll say, like, I just want to be a mom, which is a little like saying, I just want to win a gold in the Super G. Do you watch the people who do the Super G? This is a very, very hard thing to do. These people train years to do this thing. Bodie Miller, the skier from the United States who's been skiing forever, he works out so hard that he vomits after his workouts. Saying you just want to be a mom is a lot like saying you just want to get a gold in the Super G. Do you hear what I'm saying? Being a parent is hard work. Don't ever say just when you're talking about parenthood. But it also can't be your idol. You should never say, I just want to be a mom, like it's something less, or I just want to be a dad. You should never say, by the way, that parenting is the highest call. What does that say to everybody who's not a parent? What does that also say to what Jesus just said? The highest call is discipleship. The highest call is following after Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. That's the highest call. If God happens to invite you into marriage, if God happens to bless you with children, you live out your discipleship in those relationships. So you say things like, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ and God has called me to be a father. And I live out my discipleship by training up my kids to love the Lord. You hear the difference? Because if we make family or parenthood our idol, we will very quickly be disappointed. Very quickly we will be disappointed. And if you have this idea like you grew up in kind of a bumpy, dysfunctional family, which is probably 99% of us, And you have this idea like, you know, when I get married and I have kids, it's going to be completely different because I'm going to do things totally different than the way my parents did it. I'm going to get this right. I'm going to give my life to this. You're going to be disappointed because you're giving your life to an idol. Discipleship is first. Family does not get in the way of discipleship. And this was radical thinking when Jesus did it, and it can sound like radical thinking now. But you can see the impact on the early church because this idea catches hold. And you know that in the Old Testament, the sign that you were in the family was the sign of circumcision. That meant you were in. You were part of God's family. You were on the team. But circumcision was only for Jews, and it was only for boys. And so in the New Testament, as this new idea of family, that obedience is thicker than blood, comes to be, there's this new ritual called baptism. And baptism is for everybody. It's for Jews and Gentiles and boys and girls and men and women. And in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God expanded biologically. And in the New Testament, it expands through evangelism. So these principles become very different and the people who used to be out of the family are now brought in and Paul writes again and again about being adopted, that the Gentiles are now in the family and they're as much in the family as a Jewish boy who's been circumcised. So there's this whole new structure that happens that says the church of Jesus Christ is your family and obedience is thicker than blood And family doesn't get in the way of discipleship. And so Paul is trying to teach these principles to people who are new to the community, new to figuring this out. And often he wrote to people whose primary idea about the family was shaped by Roman culture. And in Roman culture, the father ruled over all. The father told his wife what her life was going to look like, If she bore a child, he decided whether the child lived or died. He decided if or where the child went to school, what kind of tutor the child would have, if the child would be married, and to whom. The pater familias was the idea. He ruled over everything. He ruled over all, and no one could challenge him. His house was his castle. And so as Paul is talking about what discipleship looks like in this new kingdom, he talks about children and parents, and this is what he says. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. So this is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long in the earth. And then he adds this, which is radical crazy. Paul actually steps right in to the family house, right up to the king of the castle, and he says, and fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Another translation says, fathers, don't exasperate your children, which is such a good word. Don't exasperate your children. Paul's saying to them, you are not the Lord of their life anymore. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you surrender the life of your child to God. Your job is not to rule their lives because that position has been taken. Your job is to move them ever closer into relationship with their heavenly Father. Father. This is radical stuff. I'm not in charge. I don't get to tell my kid exactly what they can and can't do. I actually have to listen to God and watch what God is doing in the life of my child. Yes, yes, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. I had a student say to me a couple of weeks ago it's really hard for me to convey to my parents what God is doing in my life. Do you get that? You're in such an intense season right now and you're having these conversations and life is moving really fast and your parents kind of have the long-distance view. They don't have the day-to-day view. They're not really sure what's going on. And in their minds, you're kind of frozen at the age of 18. They, They kind of remember what you were like in high school. And it can be really hard for them to kind of quickly update their files when you come home for Christmas, right? It's like when you were little and, you know, you hadn't seen somebody in a while and they'd say to you, oh my goodness, you're so big. Right? And you're like, well, my parents feed me. This works for some more than others. But, but that's what it's like when your parents see you again. There's this sense of like, oh my goodness, you're so big. Oh my goodness, you're growing up. Oh my goodness, you're so articulate. How did that happen? You don't grunt anymore. And what they're trying to do is get an understanding of what is happening in your life. And this is where we come back to that idea of honoring them means taking them seriously. That their stories are continuing and your story is continuing. And sometimes it takes you a little while to get back and remember who the other person is. And it's really important when you become a parent, if God blesses you that way, to move your children not to you, not to create a loyalty to you and your house and your family and your way of life, but we want our children, should the Lord bless us with children, we want them to love the Lord first, right? This is also really important for those of us who particularly don't have good relationships with our fathers. Because then the language of scripture and the language of the songs that we sang tonight and the things that we heard, we talked a lot about God our Father and our Heavenly Father. And I know for some of you that language is so hard it gets caught in your throat. My friend Cherith Nordling, who's a theologian, she reminds me that our earthly fathers get their names from the Heavenly Father. It's not like we looked around on earth and said, who, who do we see here who really reminds us of God? Oh, Father. a Father does. No, it's God the Father had that name before the beginning of all time, and our earthly fathers live into or live up to or imitate God the Father. It's not that we've named him after us, it's that he names us after him. And that can be transformational and healing for those of us whose earthly fathers have fallen far short. It's also so important that if you've come from a family that's had some dysfunction and you've got this idea like, I'm never going to do that, let me tell you something. The things that your parents did are deeply imprinted on you. And before you know it, in 10 years, you're going to be telling your kid and you're going to be like, how did I grow my father's finger? How did this happen? I didn't ever want to do that to my kid. And so I'm saying things that my parents said to me and I said, I was never going to, They're just here, it's just happening. It's because the primary model you had for parenting was your parents. And if you actually do want to do things differently, then start looking for different models. If you see somebody in your church, if you see a faculty member, if you see a staff member, if you see a fellow student who's got great parents, if you see somebody like merge into that family, figure out how they do it. Ask questions. Learn. Because if you want to do things differently, if you want to draw your kids into discipleship, if you want to have them love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, you've got to be around parents who are teaching their kids how to do that. And then we all have to remember that just as we are growing and learning and changing, our parents are actually growing and learning and changing. Not as fast as we would like, but they're not static, they're not frozen in time. And the conversation you may have had with them at Christmas may not be the conversation you have with them at Easter. And so when God invites us to honor them and take them seriously, he's asking us to allow them to change too. And this also is an invitation for our prayer. Our deep hope would be that our discipleship impacts our families. That it not only will impact those of us who are blessed with children someday, but that our discipleship will actually impact our parents. How amazing would that be? And so we can pray for our parents to grow and change and learn and to become devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And for those of us who just can't even come up with language, who just don't even have words to pray for our parents because we're so confused and there's so much pain, think about praying the Lord's Prayer and putting their names in it. So it would sound something like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name in my parents' lives. May your kingdom come in my parents' lives. May your will be done in my parents' lives on earth as it is in heaven. Give my parents this day their daily bread. Forgive them their sins as they forgive those who sin against them. And lead my parents not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When we run out of words, it's always good to go back to the basics. And with parents, it can be complicated and thorny and messy and odd. And we need to go back to the basics. To remember that to honor is to take them seriously. To remember that family does not get in the way of discipleship that obedience is thicker than blood. And that in the kingdom of God, in the new heaven and the new earth, all of these things will be reconciled because of our brother Jesus Christ who went to the cross to take all the harsh words that have been spoken between parents and children, all the exasperating things that we have done, just take them to the cross and they will be no more. And we live into that hope. And we pray into that hope. So tonight, after I pray, we're gonna hand out cards and pens and we invite you to write a prayer. Maybe you're so grateful tonight, you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I am so grateful for my parents, wow. Maybe tonight it's this mix of both gratitude and trying to figure out what's next. Maybe it's like just what's next. And maybe you don't need to talk to God as much as you need to hear a word from the Lord about how he's inviting you to engage with your parents. And maybe you just want to write out the Lord's Prayer and put their names in it. And the cards are for you to take. And maybe you want to mail them to your parents or maybe you want to do something else with them. It's between you and the Lord and anyone else after tonight that you want to share it with. Our relationship with our parents needs our prayers. Let's pray. God, our Father, we're so glad that you are the first parent. You are the one who absorbs all the faults of our earthly parents, our mothers and our fathers. You are the one who understands the complexities, and that's why you commanded us to try this. We thank you, Jesus Christ, our brother, son of God, that you reminded us that obedience is thicker than water, That discipleship is the thing that matters most. And we're never to make an idol out of what we have or what we don't have as far as relationships with families go. So break down our idols and establish yourself as Lord over our lives. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that as we have time now to think and to pray, that you will bring things to mind that we may need to confess that we may need to forgive, that we can be thankful for, that we can celebrate. Thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you show us what it means to serve each other in mutual submission and love. Help us to do so. Amen.